at an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. A colleague and friend at a former workplace took me aside one day and said, Reggie, you strike me as more of a happy-go-lucky guy, and you seem a little gloomy, and I, I, and you're such a relational person, but you seem to be holding back. I'm going, I don't know. I don't know what the tell was. I don't know whether it was that I was just walking around looking like Eeyore or whether my arms were always crossed when I was in conversation and not making eye contact the way you would and maybe just not being my perky tigger other self. But I had to think about it and I realized, no, you're right. I don't feel like this is a safe place. And so I do feel I have to kind of keep my mouth shut, have to keep my heart closed, and have to hold back when otherwise just might love. It's not a great feeling, and it's its own kind of imprisonment. We are not made to live that way. And I love the fact that we come across this particular passage with Paul picking up this great liberation theme from the Old Testament on this day, the day after the first federal holiday celebration of Juneteenth. I'm glad that as a nation, we are saying together, slavery was horrible. Slavery does horrible things to those who are enslaved, It treats them as as brutes, and it does horrible things to those who do the enslaving. It encourages them to act like beasts. And by God's grace, may we year after year celebrate freedom. And freedom, liberty, emancipation from all kinds of shackles is a lot of what the Bible is all about. The Bible's storyline is one of taking people, in fact, taking this whole planet from slavery to freedom, from enslavement to error to the freedom of truth, from enslavement to freedom, from from enslavement to sin, to the freedom of walking about uprightly, from the slavery of death to the freedom of life. Paul knows what he's doing when he quotes Isaiah 49, an acceptable time, at that I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. God built in the aspiration and the promise of freedom into his whole plan to make things right on the earth again. He gave us seven days on which to work and work that had become conditioned by the fall, that had become dreariness and a matter of tears and thorns after the fall. And so every seventh day, we're called to rest and have a day of leisure so that our work doesn't kill us. And then the Lord took seven days, seven 
seven weeks, made them into, built them, built the year around um, the building up of weeks of Sabbath. And at the end of every seventh year, debts were to be forgiven. Slaves were to be set free because people were not made to live in debt. People were not made to live in bondage. And then at the end of seven cycles of seven years, after 49 years, there was a 50th year that was to be the proclamation of freedom throughout the land, where even property that had been sold would be, would revert back to its original owners. Now, it doesn't really look like the nation of Israel ever really practiced this, but the ideal was that land would go back to its original owners and everybody would have two years that year of rest and of leisure and of refreshing themselves to move on. And then Daniel builds up 70 weeks of seven years, 490 years, at the end of which there was to be this great finishing of transgression. And God's kingdom was come, would come. And Isaiah picks up on that theme in Isaiah 61 too, and talks about the year of the Lord's favor, when there would be liberty to the captives. And when Jesus read that passage in the synagogue in Capernaum, he sat down and said, today, this passage is fulfilled in your presence. Jesus came to bring liberation. He came to bring freedom for captives, freedom from all sorts of captivity. And what Paul has in mind is that on this great day of liberation, of emancipation from Satan's dominion, that is a freedom from guilt and shame and the governance of guilt over people's lives. Three things Paul talks about in this passage. A freedom from hiding from the truth, a freedom from living behind a mask of self-protection, and a freedom from fear of being rejected in love. So that we don't have to have closed mouths and guarded speech, crossed arms and no eye contact, and being inwardly bound up and spiritually doubled over in pain. Let me call your, atten your attention to a couple of verses. Now, if it's not your custom to bring your Bible to church, we have pew Bibles, and we're on page 139 of the New Testament section, section of your Bible. Page 139 of the New Testament section of the, of the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. What I want to call your attention to is what Paul says in verses 11 and 12. First, we have spoken to you frankly, Corinthians. Now what the text literally says is, we have spoken with open mouth. We've not kept our mouths closed to you. We've opened them to speak truth. And then secondly, he says in, in verse 11, our heart is wide open to you. We're not closed off to you. And then, there is no restriction in our affections. Now the word affections here is the Greek word splachna. Can you say that word? Splachna. Splachna. You really got it. And actually, it's not a pretty word because it's not a pretty concept. It's intestines. 
And the word, uh, and the, the, what the text says is, we have not... We have not closed, we have not shut down, we have not made narrow our intestines. In other words, we've let things flow freely. We are not constipated. But you are, because you're not loving. There's this wonderful passage in 1 John chapter 3, 17 or 18, I can't remember, where John says, if you see your neighbor, your brother or sister in need, and you close your bowels against them, well, it's not the love of God that's in you. Think about that. Because when you shut your bowels, well, you're full of something, but it's not love. Now, I may or may not know something about this personally from my childhood. Because I may or may not have been too busy when the time came to go take care of things. I may or may not have just crossed my legs and let things built up. I may or may not be able to tell you with some authority that the consequences of doing that are horrible. You wind up double over in pain and your parents have to do some really dastardly things that they do not want to do. And Paul's saying, because you're not listening to me speaking openly to you, because you, you, I have opened my heart to you and you have not responded, but you have closed your bowels. You, you were bound up and it's got to hurt. So listen to me. So Paul wants three things for them. He wants them to understand that he has opened his mouth to them to speak plain, if uncomfortable, truth. The Corinthians think that they have already arrived. They think that they are king's kids. They think that they are already rich, that they are already reigning with Christ. And what Paul wants them to understand is it's not exactly, that's not exactly the way this plan of redemption has worked. Because it's not for nothing that Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Paul has spoken freely to them. He's opened his mouth to them to let them understand what the Christian life means for the Corinthians. Yeah, they're free to do all things, but not to sleep with whomever or if married, piously to say, well, now my body is only for the Lord. They're free to do all things, but they're not free to sue each other to, to secure their own rights. They're free to share Christ's imperial banquet, but not so as to put on display the inequities among them. They're free to share their spiritual gifts, speak in as many languages as you possibly can, but only to build each other up and not their own sense of pride and self-importance. Yeah, he's opened his mouth wide to them to speak plain, if uncomfortable truth. He wants them to understand that the way of the cross is the way of life. Second, he's opened his heart. What he's saying to them is, you don't have to fear my motives. I'm not like the person who sees the speck in your eye and is ignoring the log in his own. The Lord deals with me, and it's only out of my letting him deal with me and purify my heart that I dare to speak to you. Look at what he says in verse six. 
by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit. He wants them to know from his heart that as he said in a previous chapter, I proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, not me as Lord, and myself as your servant for Christ's sake. And he's going to say later in chapter 11, I have betrothed you to Christ, and I want to present you to him as a pure virgin when he comes again. He wants them to know that he is not operating with mixed motives and that he truly cares for them. Which brings me to the third. He's opened his affections to them. That is, he genuinely loves them. He lived with them for 18 months. He's taken a lot of risks in speaking hard truths to them. And it's for their sake that he does what he says in verse, verses 8 and 9 and 10. Look, we're treated as imposters and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well-known, as dying and see we're alive. I'm doing this for you because I love you, as punished and yet not, not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor and yet making many rich. I also really appreciate the reading that we come to in 1 Samuel today because I see David doing a lot of the same thing. David opens wide, opens wide his mouth for Saul and over a period of time, he sings songs that he has learned as a shepherd singing to the Lord to soothe the, the tormented soul of Saul, even at risk of his own life. David's heart, he opens it wide. And until the time of his own elevation to be king, his own elevation by God, he will honor the Lord's anointed Saul. And even though, and David's love, even though he cannot open his heart to Saul without great risk, he is able to open his heart to Jonathan. And he loves him more dearly than he has loved anyone else. So, I don't know, maybe you're in a tricky spot. Maybe it's hard for you to open your mouth lest you be rejected, to open your heart, lest you, be this, lest you be ignored. Maybe it's difficult for you to be free with your affections for fear that you will be rejected. But I do pray that you will, that, that you will ask yourself whether there are perhaps some shackles that you do need to throw off. Shackles 
Could there be self-deception? Could there be hidden agendas? Could there be a constipated spirit? Is there some truth that you need to speak that someone needs to hear? Is there some internal heart adjustment that you need to make on the way? Is there some love that you need to risk extending? And may God fortify you here in the presence of his people and at this table to be fed so that you may be able to speak well and to love well. God bless you. Amen.